know that. I know about that. Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy Tahir Johnson. We're back with another week of the Cannabis Diversity Report. This episode is going to be super important. One that anybody that wants to apply for cannabis licenses definitely needs to watch. Have my homegirl Amber Norwood in the building. She is a beast in getting these licenses. Um, Amber, hello. How are you? I'm doing good, Tahir. How are you doing? I am doing great. Um, and you know, tell tell everybody about yourself, what you do, um, you know, and, and you know how you got in the cannabis industry. Sure. Hello, everyone. I am Amber Norwood. I am the co-founder of We the People Law, and we are a consultant agency that helps, you know, budding entrepreneurs, seasoned veterans with the licensing and compliance process. And when I say licensing, I mean application process. And once they get licensed, we also help with their compliance aspect. We also help with um, legal stuff, like legal, like setting corporations, um, mergers and acquisitions, owner agreements, the whole shebang. That's what that's the side that my partner Shannon Ligon handles, and yeah. I, look, I focus mainly on the licensing and compliance aspect. And you have actually you've been very successful at what you do, and you you've won a number of licenses for people. How many? You know, how many is it? That's what's the number? I know it's something huge. I don't want to get it wrong. It's over sixty. It's over sixty licenses to date. That is amazing. I mean, it's, especially as difficult as it is, um, we hear so much about the challenges and, and how hard it is to get in the cannabis industry. Um, I know it's one that's heavy on compliance and operations. Um, of course, that's where your, your law background, I'm sure, comes in very much, mm -hmm. and we'll talk about that. But what are some of the biggest challenges and, and what some of the most important things that you think people should be looking at or thinking of if they want to pursue cannabis licensing? I honestly, I mean, from my experience, the one of the biggest challenges is the finances, getting the financial backing. Um, have, and then once you acquire the finances or you have like your investment team, it's what area do you want to focus on? Like what state are you in? What are they allowing for? How many applications are they allowing for? Um, do you have the team? Do you have like proper like tools and systems in place to actually be successful for an application? There's, it's so, like convoluted, you know, aside from just like the, the legal rules that you have to follow, it's also you being a business um, entrepreneur and wanting to enter this industry. There's so many different things that you have to understand coming into um, the cannabis, you know, space. And I think one of the biggest challenges is finances, finance, like having that team, having the finances um, in place to actually, you know, play. This is like a big, I want to say it's a big boys or girls game, but it's a big, it's a big money game. And if you're part of one of those um, states or cities that offer, you know, like, a, like social equity programs and you happen to, you know, fall into like the requirements for that. I mean, that's great. But also those programs are funded, you know, by investors and everything goes back to money. It has to start with the money. You have to know, have your plan, who you can reach out to, raise fund. And then once you get those kind of things in place, then you start, you know, proceeding to the next step of looking at your state's, you know, opportunities that they allow and see like what because some application i've seen you have to show a million dollars you know you have to show proof of funds and so if you don't have that i mean what, <laughs> I mean, what are you gonna do you know you, yeah, sure, sure. you know you can't play so that's one of the biggest challenges finances and after that once you secure your finances then you move on to the, like the next steps which is like i i emphasize always like the team building your team you have to have a tight team a solid team a strong team because you're going against, um, you know, MSOs like multi-state operators. You're going against a lot of my clients, you know, and um, it's hard. 
it's hard. We want to be in everybody's state. You know, we're out here in California. We want to be in DC. We want to be in Mississippi. We want to be in Louisiana. We want to be in Florida. We want to be in Chicago. You know, we want to be in Michigan and we're going to find a way to do it. You know, so it's like locals are, it's a big, it's a competition. It's a money game, honestly. Right. And, and I, know, I know you've done a lot of work in California, but what are some of the newer states that where, you know, where you see a lot of interest and that you're really excited about that you think are going to be great opportunities? Well, I'm very excited about Jersey. I'm super excited about Jersey. I, I, I'm, I'm working with, with some groups out there, Californians um, that are, that have like, you know, come here and this is their home now. They want to go back to their home. They want to go back to their cities and they want to, you know, establish brands out there, establish, you know, commercial cannabis businesses, open up jobs out there. So I'm super excited about Jersey. Of course, we have our eyes on uh, New York and, um, there's a lot going on in, in Michigan, and I mean, Oklahoma still has its doors wide open. And I mean, we, I was looking forward to Mississippi until they changed some of the regulations not too long ago. So we still have our eye on Mississippi, and uh, of course, Texas. We're waiting for Texas. Okay, and speaking of regulations, talk about that a little bit. I know every state is different, but what are some things that tend to be common, um, you know, across the board, you know, as, as people, as license applications? Um, opportunities become available? Well, I, I, a commonality um, that I've seen in applications is, once again, financials, you know, showing financials, showing your performers, showing your business experience, um, your team's experience, your relation to the community. Um, a lot of these, the states are wanting to take, like they should want to take care of their own homegrown, you know, people that are from like, you know, Detroit or, you know, different places in Saginaw and, you know, Lansing, they want to take care of home. And then there's people like us that want to come in from California that that's not our home, but we want to establish a brand out there. So they, um, they're heavy on like the community, our, like the community benefits, the workforce development plans. Um, how are you going to, you know, make this area better? How, what are you going to do for our community? How are you going to help us? Um, there's, um, Security. I mean, I'll, there's a, a ton of procedures that are in every application from California all the way to Hawaii, you know, Arizona. We all see, you know, security team, um, your inventory management, your track and trace systems. Um, what else? Like your delivery, trans transportation systems. So there's like a lot of plans that are pretty like just copy and paste from like Pennsylvania to Maine to you know DC to California. Um, from, and it stems from Colorado. So there's a lot of systems that are out there that, you know, we see on all applications. The only thing that I do know that has been added recently, I mean, not really, somewhat recently, is like the, that social equity aspect, you know, like that diversity and inclusion aspect. We saw that a lot in um, Illinois. We saw it a lot in uh, Pennsylvania. They're, they're scoring big on that. And sometimes my, my clients, um, we don't, you know, we don't, we don't have that aspect. We can't apply that. You know, we can't address that aspect. We don't have somebody that can fit that bill for us. So that would give somebody else a leg up who is out there and who is, you know, has their boots on the ground and has their team out there and actually is forward and pushing more, more forward toward like diversity and inclusion. They have an upper hand on us. Right. And that's really important too, because you spent so many years actually helping other people get licensed and do this. But now, um, you know, you stepped out there on your own and created your own brand. And I think that's super important, as, especially as a black woman, because 
there's there's I mean just say it plainly not enough ownership in this industry of black people especially women and everything like that so you know what was it that made you decide that the time was right and that you wanted to you know pursue this for yourself now you know I've always had an interest in I've had an interest in cannabis for a long time um you know when I was an undergrad you know I went to Xavier in, in New Orleans and you know, we were already in New Orleans, you know, it's like the home of, you know, Bourbon Street and, you know, jazz festivals and things of that nature, but not everybody partakes in, in alcohol and wanting to drink alcohol. So that's where, you know, cannabis comes in and, you know, school's hard, college is hard, everything is hard, you know, and um, a lot of us, you know, partake in using cannabis, you know, just relax and, you know, just like vibe out. And I just, I, I just always felt that people need access to this, you know, like the way we were acquiring cannabis back then, it was, you know, a little sketch, you know, like some guy, you know what I mean? Some, you know what I mean? It was sketch. It was super sketch. And now it was like, with the elevation of how the cannabis industry is like, you know, laid out, we can go into dispensaries and feel safe and, um, about making a product, make purchasing, you know, an eighth of this or, uh, you know, pre-roll of that. Cause I know it's like tested and it's called, you know, things of that nature, but I've always had an interest in cannabis. And after, you know, I mean, being like a mom, a single mom of a six-year-old, and she was like recently diagnosed with like acute lymphoblastic leukemia in December. Like my cannabis usage just skyrocketed. You know, I was I was very stressed out, and I needed to be you know resilient and strong for her. I had to show you know show face for her. And with that, I was like, you know, like moms, we need something for ourselves. You know, like I don't want to you know smoke in front of my daughter. You know, because I mean I'm she's only six. I want her to make her own decision. I don't want her to, I don't want to influence anything that she does. And, um, I was, I found myself, you know, leaving our house and going out, you know, to smoke. So I wasn't smoking in front of her. And I was thinking, I was like, there's, there has to be a way for like moms to like, you know, partake in this, um, where we could do it in our homes. And, you know, I, I could have my moment. And so that's where I came up with the idea of like a pause, you know, it's like a quick break, you know, just go and, make make these like little mini joints like mini like you know tincture and have a tincture have like little gummies and everything would be low dose because i have a lot of friends of mine you know that went to law school with me and you know everyone was like you know you use cannabis type of thing and that's big on the stigma you know so i was thinking that people that are entering this industry um there needs to be like a like a entry um level so so to speak an entry level and when i say entry level i'm talking to more of a low dose like more of like a lot of products are 2.5 milligrams as opposed to like, you know, two milligrams or 1.5 milligrams or 0.5 milligrams, you know, so that I wanted to cater to women who are basically, you know, stepping their toe, like putting their toe into the pool and wanting to experiment um, with cannabis and incorporate it in their daily lives and allow that will allow us to be, you know, pr productive and efficient and effective and take care of our homes and our kids and, you know, run our jobs and work our jobs and run our corporations and things of that nature. Um, so that's where pause came from. That's where it was birth. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I need a moment. I figured out, I was like, I don't, I'm a one-to-one -one kind of girl. I like low milligrams, uh, low dosage. And I just saw like an opportunity to come out with, you know, with some products that would cater to that market. Mm -hmm. Well, first and foremost, I want to say prayers for your little girl. Hope she's um, doing better. And as a parent, Thank I you. definitely know, you know, how important that is to, you know, like you said, you don't want to expose them. You don't want to expose them to it. You want to, 
you have to find that you're trying to find a balance of that self-care and, and, you know, the medical needs of how we all use cannabis, um, but also being a good parent. And I I think that's super important. So having a brand um, that focuses on that is um, something that is critical. Um, Also, like you said, ways to introduce people to the industry and products from, you know, trying to break down that stigma, because even in our communities, like you said, especially amongst the professional folks, you know, I know it'd be like, oh, it would be okay to be a happy hour, everybody having a drink, but you start talking about cannabis, people look at you crazy. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I've never, you know, I I hear that so many times. I've never tried it. I've never. I'm like, but (laughs) you will one day and hopefully everybody else, right? (laughs) Right, right. And so for you as you know, being an being an attorney, what what was it that first attracted you to, you know, to cannabis initially? And and you know, how do you use the the skills that you learned in law school and practicing, you know, in this industry? I certainly and I, you know, I certainly think that like people that have the legal backgrounds are, are one of the greatest opportunities and play one of the most important roles. I would say, you know, during my time, I, I was right at the US Attorney's Office. Um after I graduated from law school, I went out to Miami and I had an opportunity to work at the U.S. Attorney's Office. And that was um, that was a very interesting time. Um, I was working in more like the asset forfeitures, you know, putting systems and procedures in place for how we would, you know, when somebody was, you know, charged, we would go after them um, and get as much money as we could back, you know, for the United States. And you know, honestly, we have a job to do. Everybody has a job to do. And at the U.S. Trans Office, you know, we're there <clears throat> to, you know, represent the United States of America. That's fine. But I saw a lot of, I would say, disproportionately p- passed out sentences for people of color as opposed to people who, you know, non, non-people of color. And I started to see, like, different things of how we operated um, and showed like, I wouldn't say favoritism, but kind of gave passes, you know, to, to certain people and, and certain uh, ethnicities, um, as opposed to, to African-Americans or, or, or brown, brown Americans. And um, I felt like I was like, you know, with my own values, like it didn't really align with my values. And I said, you know, I need, I needed something, I need a change. You know, I said, this, this has to change because I, I believe in the power of cannabis. I believe in the power of the medicine of cannabis and working with the government, of course, you know, it's still regulated federally. So um, I was like, no, this isn't, this isn't it for me because I know, I know coming from California, I've been around cannabis, my, you know, majority of my life. And then working in a place like that, you know, I was uncomfortable to even try to, you know, use cannabis, much less, you know, I was in Florida. So it's like, where, what dispensary was I gonna go to back then? You know, there wasn't one, um, you know, so with all that, the sketchiness of it, going back to like, you know, the undergrad thing, I was just like where I was at now. And you know, you're not supposed to use, you know, drugs basically. And um, I was like, you know, I need to change. So I was looking for some other opportunities, you know, California, coming back to California. And, um, I found a, I found an opportunity with this firm out in Glendale, and he was like leading the way with you know cannabis licenses, and um, I interviewed and he hired me, and I went out there, brought my daughter out there out here, and I was with him for about two years until they like made like a like, internal structural change or something like that, and so I told him like you know I'm, I'm just, I still love what I do. I mean we were in this cannabis, I mean, like the licensing game early before we even had our Department of Cannabis um, Control, which is our 
they combine all three of our departments out here. So we have the BCC, which is our Bureau of Cannabis Control. And we had our um, California Department of um, Public Health, which oversaw our manufacturing licenses. And then we had the Department of um, that oversaw our cultivation licenses. And now they've all combined and they become the Department of Cannabis Control. And so before we even had any of those departments, like Avis and I, his name is Avis Boboyan, he's from Steve Enterprises. And we were literally like creating white papers for cities. You know, now California is like wide open, like cities are, you know, allowing for licenses left and right. We were literally writing white papers for a lot of these cities that, you know, people have come in and, and got licenses for. So Avis and I were like on the forefront of that and had an opportunity to see it from like literally the ground up um, has been great. It's been very beneficial. It's been a great asset because now I can, you know, maneuver better and help my clients with actually run licenses because I actually like wrote, you know, white papers for these cities to write their ordinances to allow for cannabis licenses. So I have like a, I'd say I have like an in-depth detail of like, you know, what it takes to win. Right. And, and you also, also finds director at Element 7. Um, and so Element 7, I know, is a vertically integrated operator, definitely larger. Um, you guys recently had a, a multi-million dollar merger. Um, talk about the, you know, the work that you do there and a little bit about what that um, company is. Sure. Yeah. Element 7 was an idea that um, came about in about, I would say, like end of 2017 with, with uh, two of the owners, um, Bobby and Josh. And they had a vision about, you know, becoming like, you know, the most like compliant, you know, tested, trusted cannabis company out there. And so they set out and they almost were doing the same thing that we were doing that Avis and I were doing with the white papers. You know, they were tackling, you know, cities up in um, way up north of California and going to them and talking to them about the importance of, you know, establishing a program and allowing for cannabis retailers and cannabis operations to open up. And so 2017, I was like, I joined them by 2018. And, you know, we've been together ever since. So they had a vision, you know, we had some like competitors that we wanted to, to that were bigger than Element 7. And we wanted, they, they had the goal of like, you know, we want to be bigger, we want to be better, we want to be the most trusted and we actually want to give back to the community. You know, they actually, we actually care about the community. We actually want to make a difference, you know, and, and provide opportunity as opposed to just coming out here and just making money. So, I mean, they stuck to that. They had their boots on the ground. They just kept turning and turning. They brought me on board. I have, I have a licensing. I make sure we're compliant, you know, on a local level and our state level. And now they're about almost about like 24, 24 licenses in and um, operating so far got three retails up and like seven or eight in the pipeline. So they, they stuck to their mission. <laughs> I've, I've seen it. I've seen it from the beginning all the way until now. And um, it's been a great journey. And so what does it, what does it, what exactly does the compliance director do? Is it, is it very, is it, um, is it like helping to, I guess, making sure that the company stays within the regulations, um, different things like that? Yes, for sure. Um, anybody that, that wants to, there's several things we do aside from the licensing aspect of it, like the application aspects, reading the ordinances for like a city that we're interested in going into and going in and out and like highlighting you know, different areas of like, you know, gray areas that we see in some of these um, ordinances and like how we can play around that. Um, and then once we are licensed there, we have, there's different steps of the process. You know, you submit your application and you do interviews. So I, we prepare for the interviews and then, um, you know, after that, you utilize, then you do like a conditional use permits, you know, minor use permits, 
um, building permits. So compliance director is in charge of, you know, making sure we have like all of our I's, dotted and T's crossed from the beginning all the way through every step until they open the doors. And once you like, you do join your build outs, you're doing your contract, you're hiring contractors, you're looking at agreements, you know, you're doing um, workers comp, you know, you're looking at over possible unions that want to partner with you. So we look at everything, everything that's, that's, that's in written, we look at all that. So before we move forward and partner with somebody, I have to read and go through and make sure that this aligns with the values of Element 7. This aligns with what we believe in. So, I mean, from the postings, you know, on, on the windows or inside the dispensaries or inside the stores, like the standard operating procedures for the employees, things of that nature, I look at all of that. So every document that the owner would sign their name on, basically, I look at. And also, our, we have a general counsel that looks at it also. Mm -hmm. So I just make sure that, you know, we apply, we, we're doing what we're supposed to do. Whatever the localities ordinances are, we're staying within that. Whatever our state's, our state's regulations are, we stay within that. And any, like, third-party operators, other businesses that want to partner with us, you know, I make sure that they, you know, fall within our perimeters of, like, what our vision is, what our values are. And then move forward, then move them forward. Now, now, one question I'd love to get your take on, especially because you've been working there in California for so long, and California does have the the oldest social equity programs. Um, you know, I just looked at um, it was an article in Business Insider, and it said that there's about two percent of like African American ownership and executives in the industry. Um, and so, of course, we're, we're at the place where cannabis is almost legalized federally. Um, I know a lot of the bills that are out there definitely have goals to um, you know, support social equity and things like that. But just from your take, how how critical do you think it will be to make sure that equity is like a key goal to, you know, to really give us an opportunity? Do you think that there's any chance that the playing field would ever be level without it? Um, and, you know, you know what, I guess, what are some of your takes on just social equity in general and the importance of it? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, the i from my experience and and from from this like the whole social equity wave that that's as in that's actually a wave because i mean before you know a couple years ago we didn't have it um that's going on now um honestly in theory it sounds great you know it's, it's a great opportunity for for us to try to enter this this industry and and try to find you know our own like lucky level our 40 acres and a mule you know but in practice and I've seen it in a lot of a lot of cities and a lot of programs. It's, I mean, it's it's not it's not it hasn't it hasn't lived up to what it's supposed to do. Let me state like that. It's it has not helping as many people as it should be helping. Um, and you know, honestly, if it's hard. I mean, even if you're in the social equity pool, like there's there's some there's some cities in California that are just not rocking it out. You know, the social equity, uh, San Francisco great fantastic program you know we have partners up in san francisco that we're, we're opening up three uh, dispensaries out there and two are social equity um applicants and uh oakland we have we out there so and two of those are social equity applicants and those cities like that they're knocking out the park they have a down pad and a city like la where like where i'm at i mean they're they're still scrambling you know they have funds and the access to funds and I, I always go back to funds having the funding um it's tight it's bottlenecked 
you know, and if you if you're a social equity applicant and you have like this vision of owning a dispensary or trying to cultivate and you, you don't have the funds and you have to partner up with somebody who will bring in the money and there's a lot of predatory, you know, investors out there, um, it's hard. And also there's a there's a missing piece. And I think the missing piece is I actually like educating the social equity applicant uh, and guiding them along like the entire terrain of like getting licensed and getting operational and things like that. They, they're basically saying, if you meet these this criteria we, and then you find an investor over here, work together and get it done. Some social equity applicants, that's not that they do. Some people are just good at, at doing retail. Some people are, don't have any business acumen, you know, and just qualified. So you're like, what do you do? You have to train people. You know, there, there has to be training. There has to be systems in place. And there's like a big gap. And it kind of frustrates me because I'm, I, I'm a part, I'm, a, I'm on the board for the National Diversity and Inclusion of Cannabis Alliance. And um, they have a workforce development program. But a lot of our industry, I think we hurt ourselves. You know, a lot of, there's a lot of, um, minority groups out here and we don't work together. We like work against ourselves, you know, instead of work together for our own like personal reasons, you know, the industry is small and there's only, you know, there's so many of us African-American, you know, people in it and we're not working together. You know, I, I'm a part of a several you know, minority associations in cannabis and I mean, we don't work together, you know? So I think if we're not working together. It's, it's kind of hard to expect other people to work together with us so to speak, you know what I'm saying? I think we have a lot of, I wanna say we have a lot of work to do, but we just need, we just need to get together, get it in motion better. We need better systems, you know, we need more education, honestly. I think, I think it's all about education. I think people need to understand like exactly what they're getting into. I think people need to have access to courses and classes and, and people like, you know, like myself, who can like kind of, you know, just expose them, you know, to what this game is about. Like, depending on what role they want to play in it you know give them like a real deal like hey this is what it is and then we have to understand too that people with the money they're going to want their money back you know so it's like you're not going to go in this game and make money right away you're going to have to pay back those investors and then after that you know you take your money or something like that or you work a deal or you know you, you transfer your ownership or however you want to do it there's so many different levels and i think it goes back to education the social equity program is great i know there i mean there's there's some that are running well but the practice of it it has a lot of glitches, a lot of glitches. Mm -hmm. No, you dropped a couple of keys there. And I think, like you said, it always comes back to capital, right? If we don't have the money to compete and play in the game, um, like you said, some some applications require you to show a certain amount of um, right. that you actually have the assets, all those things. So you literally won't be able to do it at all. So that's, that is super important. And, and absolutely unity um, and making sure that we have education um, you know, education is key to be able to understand, um, just understand the industry in general. But also, like you said, I, I've been, I try to make sure I keep throwing this out there. And that's why it's important to have people on here like you. You don't have to own a dispensary. You don't have to oh. um, be a cultivator to get in the industry. But oh, yeah. also, even if you do want to do that, you can start off somewhere else and then have that be your path in. Like you've, you've been a practicing attorney working with cannabis folks for years now. And now you start as your brand. You have the experience actually helping people. Um, but you also have relationships and everything like that now that can help you be successful. So um, I would say what's it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, talk about that a little bit more. Like what if, if people are really out here considering this, like, 
I guess what what advice do you have for people that are saying like you know I want to be in the industry whether it is ancillary or um, you know going after a license like where do they start and like what what would be like the, the one thing that you think they should like that, that they should know or that you would share with them? I would say the one thing that was a great question. I would say the one thing they should know is what they want to do like have an idea of what, of what you want to do like say if you're in marketing and you're a great marketer and you want to do, you know focus on cannabis brands you know you, you segue into our, our industry with reaching out to different companies and you know offering your services or interning with some you know cannabis brands possibly things of that nature um but i i definitely think you, you have to have an idea of what you want to do. You know what I'm saying? Like it, cannabis is just like any other industry. It's just like any other business. It's happened. We just happen to be dealing with, you know, cannabis. Um, but to have like a sound, sound foundation of what you want to do. And then also like where, wherever you're at, you know, like know what your rules are, what, know what your regulations are. Um, and not everybody's, of course, not everybody goes to school to like read regulations or read ordinances. I mean, they're dry, they're boring, you know, but like just have like an overall understanding, you know, and then see like what local, you know, leaders you have like within your community that are pushing for cannabis, you know, and I, I was, I would align myself with those groups or those people, those individuals who are trying to lobby to like, you know, have some changes done in whatever city or, or state they're in. And you really just have to make your own, like, make your own noise, you know, it's like, um, you have to definitely rub elbows. It's a big, like, cannabis is like, it's a, it's a big, it's a still a tight knit, you know, community. And if you know somebody who knows somebody, you know, definitely reach out and just like have people connect you. And so you can like talk to people like yourself or myself or even like, you know, cultivators or, you know, people that are manufacturing um, to see if like that's what you want to do. And I think that's a, that's a really good opportunity like for our industry, because I, I mean, I haven't seen any internships yet, you know, at, at my, my, you know, Element 7, they don't host any internships. A lot of big brands out here, they don't, I, I don't know that have internships, you know. So I'm thinking that that's an opportunity for in our industry to like, you know, have people um, intern, you know, or, or do like have virtual sessions where people talk about, I know there's a lot of different platform, different cannabis groups out there that hold like, you know, if you're a butt tender, butt tender training, butt tender this, you know, if you do marketing, there's like the CMA, you could do the cannabis and there's like women, you know, women grow. Um, so there's a lot of different groups. I would definitely, I would do a little research, see what group or what organization is closest to me, reach out to them and get at, gather as much information as you can. And then from there, you know, try to find your way to what you want to do. There's like, a, there's some schools out here. Um, I know there's like Cloverleaf with, with Chloe based out of Denver. She has a great program. There's Oaksterdam in Oakland that people go and, you know, get certificates and like certain aspects of the cannabis industry. Um, and there's like a lot of different like certification, you know, companies popping up. I don't know how, how reputable they are, but I know for sure that Cloverleaf and Oaksterdam would be like my first choice. If I was looking into getting more um, knowledge in this industry, um, I would definitely look at those two. Yeah, and I definitely agree. Starting with getting some type of education is certainly important. And I'm an Oaksterdam alum, so I agree. I'm biased to Oaksterdam. I'm going to say start with Oaksterdam first. Shout out to Dale and all my folks over there. Love y'all. Um, but yeah, that, you know, that definitely is so true. Um, and I, one important question that I think um, people are probably dying to know, are you taking on new clients? Um, you know, and are you taking on working with people outside of California? And if someone wants to engage you, um, and work with Weed to People Law. Um, you know, how can they get in touch with you, and you know, how can they find you? 
I would say we're always taking new clients, um, but we are open, you know, to, to accepting clients um, depending on. And once again, everybody has their own process, you know, where they're at in the process, what, what they need from us, making sure like both of our values align. You know, a lot of people, it's really a green rush right now, and uh, everybody wants in, and we can't, or you can't, everybody can't, you know, work with everyone, you know. So we are highly selective on who, on who we work with. Because basically, I mean, I want to keep my winning record. You know, I, I like to win. I, I always want my clients to win. When they win, I win. And I, with that, I have to be selective with who we work with. Um, but yeah, we, they can reach out to us on our website. I mean, www.weedthepeoplelaw.com. Our IG is the same, We the People Law. Um, you can follow me. You can follow Shannon. You can follow our page. And um, you know, schedule like an initial consultation. We have a free initial consultations. I know a lot of consultants out here charge $300, you know, for an hour. And so part of our, you know, wanting to give back was like, okay, you know what, we'll just, let's do an initial consultation for free. We won't charge anything and see where people are at and, you know, kind of give them some, some guidelines, some advice, hopefully it's helpful. And then they, you know, come back later when they're ready to go and we can get it going. Nice. And, nice. and, when, is, and when is your pause brand dropping? Pause is slated for next year, early next year. Yes, we're super, super excited. Yeah, super excited about that. Um, having relationships in this industry are key. I have a lot of a lot of clients that are retailers, you know. So getting that shelf space is vital, and um, having the opportunity to like have a brand, you know, in my clients' facilities is great. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that's definitely what's up. And like I said, you're doing so much dope stuff. So I really appreciate you stopping by to, to share this information. Um, you know, making, having people get, figure out how to get, um, again, it is difficult. Like we said, it is a lot of takes a lot of work. I think you should, um, you should absolutely figure out where is the right place for you to be. You don't necessarily just say you want to, you know, own a dispensary if it's not the right choice. But I do know that if you do want to be in that area, this is the person that knows her stuff and she's <laughs> killing it. And she, like I said, she has a winner record that speaks for herself. So um amber like i said thanks for coming through um and we gotta say we gotta keep in touch yes and i also i just had like one last thought for, yeah for, yeah for, no well that's a, don't let me don't let me leave that you leave without saying <laughs> dropping everything you had to say yes no i i was just thinking um about um opportunities like in this industry that i that i see where there's a there's a lack of and there's a lack of testing, you know, testing labs. Every every state, every that has a program requires testing of the products. And there's a lack. In California, I mean, our entire state, we have, I believe, 38 or 39 testing labs. In California, we have millions of people, you know. So I have clients that are that are testing, um, that have testing labs, you know, they're bottlenecks, you know. So it's just like that opportunity and that gap, you know, um, can be, you know, I think somebody should take to seize that, honestly. Uh, we need testing. Um, we need testing out here in California. We need testing. I mean, green states. You have to get you have to get your product tested. So I think if anybody has like you know some kind of chemistry background, I I, I was bad at chemistry. You know Xavier is like a med school. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you have any kind of like chemistry background or things of that nature, I think you should definitely you know try to figure out like hey, you know make something happen um, in the testing space. I wanted to get into testing space, you know, I'm trying, myself too. I mean, I'm trying to figure out how to do it also. Not myself, but, you know, get into that space of, of testing, getting the team together and the group together to, um, you know, roll them out. We need testing. We need testing here. We need testing in Denver. I mean, I've talked to people in Colorado. 
I mean, testing is it. People really want to come in and make make a make a good amount of money. No, I agree. I That's agree. a great, great idea because why do what everybody else is doing, right? right. Like you said, every everybody, every legal market has to have testing. So if everybody's right. opening up everything else, yeah, testing and research. Testing, I would go. say yeah, testing and research. Research is key. A lot of schools are getting um you know funds and grant you know for testing. So if you're you're if you're a researcher and you're interested in research, I mean you have a, I mean you're wide open. Mm -hmm. I would run, run with that. I don't yeah, have a research background. I wish I did, but I mean, there's a lot, a lot of money to be made in in, in you know cannabis research. What are what are some of the other low hanging fruit? Anything else you think is low hanging fruit opportunities that people should that are that's not the obvious that people you know who don't see this stuff every day wouldn't think of that that people should think of. I would say, may I mean if, if somebody's in like the manufacturing, like packaging, like the packaging industry, packaging is key. Packaging is big. Um, sustainable packaging. I was on a call yesterday um, with with a gentleman who was um, big on sustainable packaging in the cannabis industry, and that seems to be like a market. If somebody's into you know manufacturing things of that nature, and also accessories, like accessories always sell. I mean, if you're if you make some kind of you know, we have gold cone, cones and you know pink cones and like this cone and that cone. If you have some kind of idea, you know, to make some kind of like dope cone. Or some kind of dope product for people. I mean, we definitely dispensary sell accessories all day, and we we're, we're tired of seeing the same things, you know, like the same pipes, the same bong, the same. You know what I mean? So if you definitely like into like, you know, make T-shirts or something like that, you know, sell them some of these retailers and have you know have them put their brands on there and things of that nature. Like if you're into like accessories or fashion, definitely like into the cannabis market. For sure, no, that's sure. A, that's yeah. another yeah. one too. Nah, any anything else that we is there anything else that we missed out on or final thoughts that you want to leave people with before you before we head out? I would say no, just go for it. You want to enter this industry? I mean, you can do it. I mean, I, I hate to say I'm so cliche, you know, but it is possible. I mean, if if somebody tells you no, then find another way or you know, reach out to somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. And if you're really determined to to get in this industry, you can. You can be successful at it as long as you know you work hard. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of hours. I mean, my hours, I don't have like a regular nine to five type hour um, schedule. So if you're really ready to like put the work in, you know, respect time, you know, do good, give back, be a good person, you know, make make the right connections, you can do it. Mm -hmm. Now that's so important. It, it, everything starts with believing in yourself and hard work. Right. Like, you know, the uh, even with the eye stack, um, like the like you know somebody like you is there from putting in that hard work and dedication to to be here. Um, and thank you again for um you know giving back and sharing in the work that you're doing to try to you know, help make sure there's opportunities for for everybody in the industry. I think that's so important for people to just be able to have access to you. So it's it's super dope. All right, homie, I will talk to you soon.